Welcome to the Enlighten Up podcast. I'm Lisa Watson and will be joined by my co-hosts Nicole Frolic and Brian Koenigberg. The Enlighten Up podcast is a weekly show that provides an unconventional and refreshing spin on spirituality, where three friends and weekly guests share informative, fun, and usually off-the-wall conversations. Unlike others, we provide fringe and skeptical viewpoints on all topics, because our experience has taught us that the echo chamber is a boring place from which to learn. So regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey, we can promise you, you're going to find a place to fit in here. So we invite you to grab a drink and listen in on our casual, entertaining, and hopefully enlightening conversation. And Enlighten Up is a self-funded podcast. So if you would like to help us to continue to be able to produce, enhance, and expand the show for our audience, then please send your support using the link in the show notes or go to our website, lightenup.us, and check out our merchandise shop where you can purchase merchandise that will allow you to express some spiritual humor. You may also show your support by leaving us a review on iTunes and following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thank you all so much for listening and supporting us. And now let's jump right into the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Enlighten Up podcast. We're really happy to have you here today. Lisa, Brian, and myself are excited to invite Zach Voorhees to the podcast. Uh, He is a formal Google senior engineer turned whistleblower. Zach says that Google created algorithms to hide its political bias within artificial intelligence platforms, that the company targeted particular words, phrases, and contexts in an effort to promote, alter, and reference or manipulate perceptions of internet content. Zach, welcome to the Enlighten Up podcast. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. Yeah, and I know for everyone who's probably listening to our podcast, because we're a a spiritual podcast, they may be wondering um, how this relates, but... You know, on uh, this show, we've talked a lot about the matrix and Google right now is manufacturing a reality that doesn't exist. And we've spoken a lot about the matrix and how the media and big tech use this to influence the way we think um, by telling us the narratives that they want us to believe. And it's a very subtle form of mind control in a way. And we talk a lot about discernment on the show and understanding how our individual sovereignty can be taken from us through this kind of subtle mind manipulation. But what you've also been exposing is that there's also a national sovereignty being um, manipulated here. And that's through elections, not just in the US, but um, through other countries around the world. So we're going to get into all of that. But Zach, why don't you tell us and the audience um, how you started at Google and why you wanted to work there in the first place? So I started working there in um, 2008. Eight, I believe, and I worked for the Google Earth um, team. And <clears throat> the team was responsible for taking uh, the Google Earth product and putting it onto the Na- Audi navigation system, which I believe is the best navigation system in the world. Um, and the reason why I wanted to work for Google is because, hey, they were the hottest thing on the block. And if you got into Google, that meant that you were really, really smart. So for me, it was just a a personal like achievement to be able to get accepted into such a prestigious corporation. You know, it's, you're, you're the best of the best. Um, and so I got into Google and, and I did the Google earth for five and a half years. I left in 2013 to start my own company, which still exists today. The company's called Zachys.com. We sell uh, the world's most advanced bicycle uh, glove, which has a turn signal on the back. Um, I did that for three years and then I went back, to Google um, and worked for their YouTube brand. So for those of you that don't know, Google owns YouTube 
And so when I say Google, sometimes I'll use them, you know, interchangeably between Google and YouTube. We, so we I worked. You just say Alphabet. Yeah, Google, YouTube, Alphabet. It's a complicated ownership chain. <laughs> uh, chain. So, uh, I, for the last three years at my time at Google, I was working at YouTube, and I started YouTube in 2016. Um, I became aware of Google's um, global election meddling system and information sculpting program called Machine Learning Fairness. Um, and then I blew the whistle finally in 2019, uh, June, and then also again in uh, early August. I'm, I'm picturing the Google campus in my mind and, and, and imagining how awesome it would be on the 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 plaques on the wall, you know, they give you guidance, you know, this department's down that way, right on the plaque, it's a, you know, Google election meddling department, you know, two doors <laughs> down. Yeah, right. I wasn't in the Google election department, but I still had access to the information related to that. Can you believe that they put all of the information that I released to the public on their internal public server that was available for anyone that was a full-time employee to just download? Wow. So is that how you, how did you come across it or how did you even know that it was there? So um, I just started investigating because the thing was, is that, uh, you know, I, I didn't vote in 2016 election, but when Trump won, I thought it was really hilarious. And, um, but apparently YouTube and Google didn't share my, my, you know, thoughts on, on the election. I was just like, well, that was what the people decided. And that's, mm -hmm. that's just the way it's going to be for the next four years. You know, um, the, the, the right didn't like Obama, but they, they sort of put up with it for eight years. And now it was the right's turn to have their candidate in. And I just thought it was just going to be like that. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> okay. It turns out that um, the executives at Google really don't like Trump at all. And so, what happened is after the election of Donald Trump in 2016, the executives of the company had a meeting with all the employees. Uh, they have like a stage in Mountain View and they do a weekly meeting where they tell the employees what's happening with the company. Oh, I thought you were going to say they tell you what to think. They, that, that comes later. Um, <laughs> and so uh, they had a, they had a meeting uh, and they were sort of, it was kind of a fireside chat and they were telling us about, you know, the reasons why Donald Trump got elected and that it was because there was a lot of racism and sexism uh, and that there was also Russia hacking our elections and a lot of fake news that was, you know, that was the reason why Donald Sound, Trump got elected. Sounds like a lot of projection. A lot of, yeah, a lot of projection, right? <laughs> and so... I was like, huh, fake news. Wow, that's interesting because at that time, the fake news that was coming out was the whole Russian collusion hoax. That was being asserted to be fake news. And so when YouTube said that, or when the Google executive said the fake news was one of the reasons why Donald Trump got elected, I was like, well, what exactly do they think about fake news? What exactly is fake news? Like who defines fake news? Because in order to, to, to make that determination, that classification, there needs to be an, an arbiter. Right. So Google obviously is, is electing themselves to be that arbiter of what's fake and what's not. So I started digging in. And what I found was a PowerPoint presentation within the company 
that uh, was entitled like combating fake news or something like that. It's, it's within my disclosure. And in that PowerPoint presentation, they actually listed a real event as an example of fake news. Um, and the, the real event was, and not, not everyone agrees yet that this is a real event, but I've done my research and, and I, I assert that it is true that Hillary Clinton was running weapons through Benghazi in order to fund, in order to arm ISIS terrorists in Syria. And so they said, that's fake news. I went, no, 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 that's, that's, that's really, you know, to myself, I was like, this is really something that happened. And so that just basically got my antenna up and I started researching, you know, other things. And what I started to find was I started to find, okay, well, you know, fake news, like who's going to define it? Oh, there's this program called machine learning fairness. Machine learning fairness is, um, has these subcomponents called project purple rain and Twiddler. And, um, I started to realize, started to put this, this picture together. I was like, Oh my God, who's going to start censoring the internet. And, um, nobody knew about this. Nobody really knew about machine learning fairness at the time. And, but and the, you, this is 2016 still. This was 2017. So okay. was, this is like starting to, to go into 2017. I'm like, wait a minute. This is because the thing was, is at first I was like, okay, fake news. They're just, they're just misinformed. Like all these narratives are coming out from the alternative, you know, media that's, that's counteracting these, the establishment narratives. They're just going to wake up one at one point and realize that they're kind of being ridiculous, but that never happened. So by 2017, I was like, okay, let's figure out what this whole fake news is. Figured out what that was. I figured out that there was this, this overreaching program called machine learning fairness and I was just like, wow, what's, what's going on here? So what, what exactly is machine learning fairness? So let's say that it's a type of artificial intelligence. So let's say that like artificial intelligence comprises this circle. Machine learning fairness is a subset of that, of that circle. And machine learning fairness is uh, an algorithm that is written by other algorithms. And so what you do is that you create this, this pile of data, let's say like of, of millions of, um, you know, comments or let's say articles, let's say you have a bunch of articles. And then what happens is that with these million articles, you've got an army of people that go through and they tag the article. They say, Oh, this one's racist. Or this one's like, you know, they, 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 they assign seven tags, right? Like racist or uplifting or, you know, Trump or Russia, you know, and they, they tag and, and it. For, for, I'm sorry to interrupt. And, and for our listeners that might not understand what an algorithm is, um, most people, I think, misunderstand what an algorithm is. It's basically an if-then-else statement. It, you're, you're telling the computer to look for something. Okay, if, if I see this, you know, if this happens, then I'm going to do that. And if it doesn't happen, I'm going to do something else. So it's, it's, it's a way to ask the computer to look through data and to parse data. Is and to that come to a, fair? To a, a solution. A, an yeah. example that I like to use a lot is, um, you know, everyone knows what an algorithm is because if you ever do the laundry, that's going with an algorithm that's, that's sort of memorized in your head, you know, put the clothes in the washer and put the soap in and then start it up and then put in the dryer and then fold. So that's an algorithm, but that's a human algorithm. So, you know, human or the computer algorithms have the same sort of thing. They've got these steps that you do and that you come to a conclusion. So a machine learning algorithm is a set of steps that instead of an explicit line by line, 
you know, do this, then that, and then the other. You have a network of nodes that take in as input, um, like let's say an article. And then these, these nodes, they act as simulated neurons inside of the brain. Okay, so you imagine like a brain neuron, it gets input and then it like branches out and then other neurons take in that input and then make decisions on what they're going to do. And then it propagates out over uh, millions and billions of neurons throughout your mind. That's what gives conscious thought. So machine learning fairness is the simulation of brain neuron activity. And the way that it works is that you, 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 you create a network model and then you feed it data and then the, 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 the simulated neurons start firing at first randomly. And then an advisor um, looks at, you know, whether the, the machine's doing the right thing and then says, no, it's not, or yes, it is. And if, when it does something right, it reinforces it. So um, let, let me give you an example. Like, let's say you've got like a, 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 like a Wally bot and you're trying to like teach them to like do the laundry. And at first you just like, like just walks around randomly in the room, but then every so often he makes like the right move to go towards the washing machine. Well, you would give him a treat in the same way that you would give a treat to a dog. Mm -hmm. And through reinforcement and punishments, you can train this machine learning algorithm to do the right thing. And so- When you say the right thing, you mean according to- they, they're, they're doing the, the task that is desired. By the the, the, pre, the programmed parameters exactly, mm-hmm. and so machine learning fairness. So, so I'm sorry. So that starts with a human being, which I think is what Nicole was was alluding to. Like a human being said, "Go towards this direction." Yeah, so that's called supervised learning. So mm-hmm. the human would be acting as a supervisor. Mm-hmm. So the way that um, the way that machine learning works is, let's say you've got a million articles and they're all tagged appropriately by human raters. Uh, a, a set of neurons that are fresh and sort of like a baby are, are presented and they start firing. At first, they start firing off randomly, but the, a supervisor which says, okay, this article I know should be tagged with these, these things. Um, and what it does is that whenever the machine learning algorithm starts to generate something that's close to the right result, it's given a signal that this is the right way to go. And through uh, many, 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 many iterations of this, a algorithm will grow within the the neurons that will produce the right result. Mm -hmm. And the reason why this is really important is because, you know, you can then feed new articles into this algorithm once it's been developed, and then it will, you know, theoretically produce the right result, right? It'll say, oh, well, this is racist, right? Because it'll, it'll start to see this pattern that, you know, if, if, if it's about Trump, it'll be racist. Or if it talks about like white supremacy, they'll be like, oh, this is, this is a racist piece. And so, um, so that's how machine learning works. It's a type of AI. So, you know, obvi- I mean, this is pretty obvious, but maybe not everyone understands it, you know, or is, understands the ramifications of this. But what are your thoughts on having an entity like such as Google or a government telling us what the way we should think, uh, like, you know, taking away our own ability to critically think and tell us, you don't want to hear about this. We're not even going to show it to you because, you know, it's fake or it's you, you don't want to be seeing it and take away your opportunity to critically decide for yourself. Like that's I mean, what's happening. Appalling. I mean, it's appalling, right? 
and it's against the First Amendment. You know, we've, we've grown up in a liberal society that values um, freedom of expression and freedom of, of thought and freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. And Google knows that there's going to be pushback against, you know, clamping that down, which is the reason why they've been sneaking this in for years. And yeah. so they've been, they've been building this. They've been doing it in secret, but also having it out in the open, which is kind of a paradox. Well, um, and it's, it's terribly ironic what you're talking about. I, I lived in China for five years, and that is true censorship. When you go to, you know, Google's not, not there because they said, oh, we're not going to censor. So that's why Google's not allowed to be in China, because they publicly said, <laughs> we're not going to censor search results. And when you go to Yahoo!, if you type, you know, from within mainland China and you're, China and you're in Yahoo and you type in Tiananmen Square, zero results. There's not a, like the internet, like, nothing exists with those words. That's censorship. Right. That's true censorship. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, you know, China's got a different set of moral norms within its society and they don't like to talk about the Tiananmen Square. They don't like to talk about the organ harvesting and they don't like to talk about the cultural revolution, which mm-hmm. ended up killing 70 million people within the country. Right. And so, um, you know, people have always prided, you know, we've, as Americans, we've prided ourselves on not having that type of authoritarian censorship. And so here's Google building this exact authoritarian censorship and sneaking it in through the back door. And just to show you like how intentional they were about um, hiding this from the public, they announced a fake project called Project Dragonfly. And they said, this is the censorship engine that we're going to use for China. And everyone's like, oh my God, Project Dragonfly. I had people like trying to like figure out, like contacting me, what's Project Dragonfly? I was like, I don't know. It doesn't exist. There's, there's no, if it exists, there's no breadcrumbs. There's nothing that I can grasp onto that, I, that, manifest this thing as something that's that's real uh but there's this there's this huge thing of machine learning fairness that's like that they're implementing and that they're, they're pushing into all of their products you know covertly and so you know this this was something that um that google wanted wanted to put in for quite some time and so um and you know I, i've been following this you know this 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 progress of machine learning fairness going into Google search, YouTube, uh, video search, uh, Google news. And, um, I realized I started to, I started to realize what kind of people would put this in because it's, it's not normal people because normal people would get repulsed by this. So I started researching like, you know, useful idiots and Yuri Bezmenov's famous speech about how communism was able to subvert and then flip over a country and bring it into the Soviet sphere. And what I realized is that, is that the Google had placed in what was colloquially called useful idiots, which are people that are so indoctrinated with the mission and are so scared about, about the so-called enemy that they're willing to install a totalitarian regime uh, because they want to be on the right side of history mm. and that these people were the ones that were installing this, designing it, implementing it. And so what I realized is that the documents that they had available on the internet or on the internal internet were so damning that they would have no choice but to leak. 
Like, like it was just going to leak out to the public. And so I started downloading these and archiving them because I know, because I knew that there was a time limit in the future. These articles were not going to be available. And so I, I, in 2017, like the early part of it, I did not intentionally, I did not intend to leak all of this information. I was just trying to archive it uh, and then make a decision about that later. It wasn't until summer of 2017 that I hit a breaking point uh, when the censorship got so bad that I caught Google deleting words out of their translation dictionaries in order to make a Trump tweet sound crazy. That's the kafefe, isn't it? That's, that's the kafefe. Trump tweeted out, despite the negative constant press kafefe. And he tweeted that out right after he went to Saudi Arabia. Now, that word could be, was translatable by translate.google.com. And it translated into, we will stand up. So putting the whole tweet together, what Trump was saying was, despite the negative constant press, we will stand up up so wow okay so um yeah so the reason wh wh why did they delete it google deleted the word kafefe because the new york times ran an article saying that kafefe wasn't a word and google created a design document saying we need to get rid of this word citing the new york times article what what okay. language is it a word in uh it was arabic Okay. So it was an Arabic. He was in Saudi Arabia at the time, right? Yeah. So he had gotten back from Saudi Arabia on like, I think it was May 25th, 2017. And then I think he made the tweet to uh, May 31st. So five days later. Mm -hmm. And then within a day, the, the, the word was like taken down. That's how quickly the New York times and Google colluded to remove this word from, you know, the collective conscious of, of, you know, our information systems is, is this is kind of a tongue in cheek question because I, I just really, I don't understand how, how it can work. Is there like a, like a, a, a sneaky bastard newsletter that all these guys subscribe to because <laughs> you watch, you, you know, the, 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 like the late night talk show guys that night, they were all making fun it had nothing to do with this is, you know, the words not translatable or anything. It was just like, it just seemed like a weird thing. And they were, all, I, I just remember saying everybody was like, kafefe, and they were just, you know, making fun of the, the word of the use kafefe. So like, are all the networks just, do they instantly know we have to, you know, do it, do whatever we need to do to make fun of Trump? Or, I mean, is it, is it coordinated or is it? Is it? In my opinion, it's all coordinated. It's called the 4 a.m. talking points, isn't it? Yeah, it's called the 4 a.m. talking points. And What's they, that? So what happens is that um, the news agenda is set at 4 a.m. And a lot of the stories get published at 4 a.m. And then, or they, they internally get published at 4 a.m. And then they go out for the rest of the day. And that defines the news cycle for, for the, the for, next... For the entire... To, to the next 24 hours. For the next 24 hours, yeah. And, um, and the 4 a.m. news cycle is something that's been talked about for the last three years in a lot of different circles. The thing that, that I believe that's happening is that the 4 a.m. is really important because it's, uh, 
it's the way that Google News is being programmed by the articles that come out. So, you know, they've got these machine learning algorithms. Well, they have to take in data to, in order to um, understand, like, how to rank search results for that day. And so what happens is that these 4 a.m. Sto stories come in, and what they do is that they, they use that to train this, this AI system in order to uh, prevent people from finding the information uh, that they're looking for. And so a lot of the articles that you're seeing right now seem like they're written really weird. And what's happening is that there's this merging of um, keyword associations that they're, 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 they're putting into the articles because what they're doing is that they're gaming the search engines. And so what's happening is that there's a balance between human readable content and um, Google readable content. And you're seeing this already. I mean, it's pretty advanced with a lot of websites. Um, they're, they're including like keywords that people are searching for within the headers of the document that they're publishing to a website. Well, this exact same thing is happening with these, these, um, these news articles. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to maximize searchability. And so let's say that there's something that is damaging that comes out in the last 24 hours against the deep state. Well, what they're going to do is they're going to find the words that people would, would use to search for that content. And then they, they insert them into articles um, that instead attack Trump. And so when people search for things, instead of getting the things that they want, like let's say an executive order um, that Trump wrote, what they're going to get is they're going to get um, kids in cages and talking about how bad Trump is. And that cycle continuously plays out every single day starting at 4 a.m. And using this 4 a.m. cycle, they're able to program the AIs for the next 24 hours to game the, re the results. So, so is, there a, is there a search engine out there that, that doesn't filter anything? Like if I, when I type in what I want to find, I'm actually going to find what I want, not what the algorithm and the AI has predetermined. Right. And, and, and knowing that it may have, you know, human fingerprints on it, that's, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm just looking for, you know, I'm looking for the, the useful data for my life. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's, there's bias in pretty much all the establishment players. Google is far beyond the worst. There's okay. also, but there's also, you know, search.yahoo.com, you know, Bing. They're actually really good, uh, believe it or not, especially since the That's uh, Microsoft, right? Bing. Yeah. But the ones that I use are DuckDuckGo and StartPage. I'm sorry, did you say DuckDuckGo? Uh -huh. Like the children's game? Uh-huh, DuckDuckGo. I saw that on our website, I was asking. Huh. Yeah. Um, didn't, didn't DuckDuckGo get bought by Google recently or is... I can't figure that out. Like I hear, <laughs> I keep on hearing like stories that they are, but then other people are saying, no, no, that's fake news. They're still independent. <laughs> so I haven't been able to find any evidence other than... We'll never rumor. know the truth, will we? <laughs> yeah, maybe hey. I should Google search it. Oh, <laughs> you, just, ah, you suck. That's totally you what I was... You right out of Brian's <laughs> mouth. <laughs> like, you should, like you should Google that. Yeah. Okay, okay so... Uh, so, so it's you, obviously what you're doing is, you know, talking a lot about the nefariousness of corporations like Google. Um, do you, do you think that you doing what you're doing, you being on this show and you being on other shows and being, you know, the quote unquote Google whistleblower, um, 
do you think that just makes people use Google more? I mean, Google can't be, I mean, I know you, you're afraid of what Google can do to you or the, I want to understand that. Um, but this is all press for Google. This is more press for Google than it is for you. Correct. Or for what? Uh, I mean, the press is, is so bad. No, no. I mean, the thing is, is that yes, it's a lot of it's all it's a lot of press. And there's this saying that all press is good press. Right. That's what I mean. I, I I disagree with that. Um, I think that that's true if um, you're relatively unknown. But Google's brand is really suffering because all of their criminal activity and their sedition is coming to light. And um, what's I mean, look what happened after I I did this drop. Um, so yeah, let's, have- let's talk about the drop, like take uh, the audience through how you gave the 950 page drop well, to the DOJ. Right. So I just want to finish this, this thing since the drop has, has come to project Veritas. Um, we now have, uh, 50 states and territories. We have the DOJ antitrust division. We've got the city of New York and other cities are going to join them all, all launching, antitrust lawsuits against Google. Really? Yes. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. It's, it's the largest antitrust action that's ever happened in the history of the United States. Mm -hmm. Wow. It is. And I want to say, uh, Zach, because I've had quite a few people want me to tell you this. They literally think you're a hero and they're so like, cause you're, you've put your entire life on the line to do what you're doing. And a lot of my friends who are, are wanting this corruption exposed just extend their deepest gratitude to you. Thank you. I'm honored. Yeah. So uh, I want to get back to your, your question, yeah. um, Nicole. What was the thing you wanted me to talk so, about um, how take, I came to this? Take the audience through. Okay, so you, you, you went on Project Veritas and you did the night. Did you, do the, did you go on Project Veritas first before you dropped the document dump to the DOJ? So I actually had two interviews with Project Veritas. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, I have no idea what that is. And I know a lot of people that are in the know. I, what is yeah. Project Veritas? So Project Veritas is one of the last organizations that does any real investigative journalism. And, you know, you probably heard the sucking sound as investigative journalism has just been dying. Well, Project Veritas is the only company that I know of that is large scale and has relatively, well, I mean, I guess they're a small company. They only have like, you know, 30 employees, but they, they do investigative journalism as their full-time gig. And they're, they're trained by Blackwater in order to infiltrate and go undercover in order to uh, get people to say uh, the things on camera that they wouldn't say, you know, in any other setting. And so, um, I, when I wanted to break the story, you know, because I can't just go to law enforcement, there has to be, the media has to support it in some way. They have to really push the story to get it out to the people because ultimately it's the people and the manifestation of their will that the politicians are trying to, to follow. And so if, um, if they don't have the, if, if the people don't know about it, then um, the, the ability to affect positive change is diminished. So when, you know, once I had this document trove, I started reaching out through my network and the media networks that I talked to told me that the only place that had the integrity to bring this 
to justice was Project Veritas. And uh, that was because of James O'Keefe and his, his integrity. I don't, I don't think he's ever retracted a single story um, in his like hundred stories that he's published through, uh, through his, his, his company. Oh. So, um, no, he's, and, he's incredibly uh, good at what he does. Exactly. So once I got in touch with them, um, they sent a handler to come to my house and then he befriended me and we got to talking and it turns out that he was really woke and knew a lot about this stuff that was happening. Uh, we agreed on a lot of, a lot of, different things. And eventually I trusted him enough to just give him the entire document trove. Mm. Um, and so I gave, so project Veritas received that. And then, um, was, was, so, were those 950 like pages or documents? Was that the entirety of everything you yeah. took? Or do you have a cache of more goodies? No, I, I, I don't have any more cookies. I, I've given them all to Project Veritas and they've all been disclosed. So I gave 950 pages to them, okay? And as a result, um, they sat on it for a year. Really? And I was like, wait, what, what's going on here? Um, I thought something was going to happen, but nothing happened. And the person that I was working for, he got really upset that nothing was happening. He pushed and he pushed and he pushed and then he got fired. I was like, well, I guess it's just not a story then. And I got really discouraged. And so, um, and, but then I kept on seeing this, this censorship get worse and worse and worse. And finally I was like, well, you know, I'm not going to try to like push my luck again. If, if, if Project Veritas and Breitbart aren't going to push the story, then, you know, I just need to, to eventually get out. So I decided in June of 2019 that I was just going to resign. You know, it was after the latest YouTube purge that they did and they started clamping down and they, they, they erased the recommendations. And so people saw the recommendations drop by 90%. So wait, you were, when you did this, you were still working with Google? I was still working. Uh-huh. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, yeah, uh, institution can survive a lot of things, but they can't survive treason. <laughs> so um you know, if you're going to take it down, that's how you're going to take it down. So, um, I, yeah. So project Veritas has the documents. They're not doing anything with it. I'm getting frustrated. The whole like recent, like demonetization adpocalypse thing that happened in May. I was like, that's it. I can't take it anymore. I gotta leave. So I tell my boss, Hey, I'm going to resign. Like officially I'm going to give my resignation letter next week. He said, okay, I understand, you know, is there any place else you want to go besides this team? I was like, no, my problem's with the company and the censorship and it's a moral thing that I'm doing. I got to leave. He's like, okay, I understand. Um, and so on the day that I was writing my resignation letter, I get a call from the executive producer of Project Veritas. <sighs> and they're telling me, hey, look, we, we did this sting operation on Jen Janai, the like I think she was like AI trust and safety yeah. um, at the time. And they're like, we got this undercover sting and we got this transcript. We're wondering if you could take a look at this transcript and tell us what you think about it. And so I read the transcript. I was like, oh my God, she was admitting that they were trying to stop the next Trump situation in 2020. Wow. Yeah. And so I, I told them, I was like, well, you caught her on video on everything that I've been telling you guys for a really long time. 
you know, now she just said what I was, what I was telling you. So I'm really happy that you guys got this. Um, and they're like, could you come to New York and talk about this on camera? And I said, I'm actually resigning today. So I got off the phone. I wrote the best and only resignation letter I've ever written in my life. And I, I thanked everyone for what an incredible experience it was. Um, but I didn't go to work that day. I stayed home. And I was really lucky because Google Global Network Investigations team launched an immediate investigation on me. And they reached out to me and saying, Hannah, you've been downloading a lot of documents. We want to talk to you about this. And I'm like, nope, I'm resigning. Like, I don't want to deal with any more. Oh, so this, this public network that you were able to get all these docs from, they log and know who was oh, looking yeah. at it. And oh, yeah, yeah. they log everything. So I knew that if it ever came out that I would be, um, that they would be able to figure out who did it. Sure. Um, which is why like, I had to get my trust with uh, Project Veritas because I was like, you guys can get what the information is and then you're going to do the investigation and then you're going to get them on camera and then you're going to nail them. Um, but uh, that, that's the way that I first started off off with it. But now it's like 2019 and it's gotten so bad that I'm like, they're going to try to destroy America if they keep on going like this. Um, so, so yeah, I agreed to, to come to New York. Um, I told Google that I was not going to participate in their investigation. They cut off all the network access that I had immediately sent me one last email saying, this is the last email you're going to receive. We're cutting off communicate. We're cutting off your access to everything. Your card's no longer going to work. Um, and we need the laptop back and we're going to pay you out, but your, your resignation is effective immediately. I was like, great. That means I'm not under NDA anymore. Now there's an exception to the NDA when you're, you know, when you're, um, reporting criminal activity and Google is definitely doing that. Like I believe that they've, they've committed treason. And you don't have to, you don't have to abide by an NDA if, if that's the case, right? Yeah. I, I, it's null and void when reporting criminal activity, but <laughs> the fact that they accepted my resignation immediately meant that I was no longer in, under NDA, which was like another like layer that was, that was great. Um, so anyways, I flew to New York I got in the chair and I, and I, under the cover of anonymity, I disclosed to the, to the public what Google was really doing. And that video was, you know, it was interspersed with video of Jen and I admitting that they were trying to stop the, the next Trump situation. Yeah. So they changed, they changed your voice. They, they blacked you out. Like no one could really know who you were. Right. And they also um, released two pages out of the 950 showing that uh, there was like, it was an awesome slide too. It was like, you know, contents generated, then it's like aggregated and filtered and then it's pushed to the user and then people like us are programmed and then the cycle repeats. Mm -hmm. So they were literally admitting that there's this like generalized filter bubble where if they, if they filter the content, then it will over time like create a new society. Okay. And so that got released and everyone's like, Oh my God, this is, this is insane. I can't believe all this stuff is, is happening, but that was only like two pages. And so they're like, you know, they wanted me to come out, but I said, no, I don't want to come out. Um, I, I want to, I want to get back to work. I'd rather not, you know, be known as the whistleblower that 
took down a large company. And so I was just happy to just go on my way. But Google was not. And they started to come after me. And that was when I had a lot of problems. First off, what they did is they started the first round of lawfare by getting one of their um, attorney firms to start the process of figuring out what information that I had of the company. So they sent me a letter saying, what information did you retain? Who did you give it to? And we need access to all of your you know, laptop and backups. I was like, whoa, okay, well, this is, this is interesting. Um, so um, I talked to um, some advisors and they're just like, well, you know, your laptop's got incriminating evidence of it and Google's trying to do a cover-up. They're like, you know, so what are you going to do? And I was like, well, if I, in, if I help them delete it, then I'm, I'm engaging in this. I'm part of the, I'm colluding to, to cover up a crime. Um, so I got to do something with it. So I gave it to the Department of Justice Antitrust Division in Washington, D.C. And I wrote a letter saying, hey, I gave, I gave your laptop to, to law enforcement. Um, <laughs> I'm sure they were thrilled. Yeah. So I was hoping that that would be like game over. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the employees ended up outing me on Twitter on a low comment thread, a low, uh, some uh, another Google employee. Thread. Yeah. I didn't know that they were Google at the time. Just somebody by the name of one snowflake came out and um, said, Hey, don't you want to change the bio on your Twitter handler, uh, Twitter, Twitter handle, uh, Mr. Leaker. And the reason why he was saying that was because I had mentioned that I was a well-employed tech geek in Silicon Valley and I was no longer employed. So he was pointing that out and he, he called out my real name and I was just like, uh Oh, and so I, I told my network, I was like, Hey, there's this, there's this weird message that I got. And so, um, uh, my, my friend set up a honeypot and started getting this guy to engage. And this guy, this guy clicked on a link and that link was, was owned by us. So we got the logs of the IP address and the, the guy clicked it without even using like Tor or, or VPN. He just clicked it from the corporate networks. So it popped up. We got the logs. We're like, okay, well, he's coming from Google, Indiana, I believe it was. APAC is what they call it. And so I was like, oh, like, okay, great. So this is this person that's outing you is working for Google and they definitely know that this is um, what, you know, what you've done. So I realized at that point, I was like, oh, I'm in, I'm in danger because if Google knows who I am and they know what data that I've downloaded, then what that means is um, there is a high value in assassinating me, right? Because- Wait, what? Google is gonna, you think Google wants to assassinate you? Yeah, you ever ever see the lifespan of uh, whistleblowers? Not that long, okay? Google Mm -hmm. is a giant corporation with a nearly trillion dollar stock cap, okay, that I caught rigging or meddling in elections on a global scale. You think they're just gonna let like some guy just go out and uh, walk in to the media and disclose all of their dirty secrets and take down the, this political machine? Um, you know, 
I don't think so. I don't think that they're going to Kevlar vest. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So, um, at this point I'm like, well, you know, the chances of assassination are now immediately high Mm -hmm. and I need to do something in order to prevent myself from, from, from getting assassinated. And I knew that I couldn't really prevent it. It was more like I would reduce the chances that it would occur. And so what I realized is that the value in assassinating me at that time was really high. They could prevent the disclosure of information to the public. Additionally, since I was not well known, um, it would be a conspiracy theory that, that it was a political hit job. Right. So to our listeners, this is an algorithm because this, this is a, a true programmer figuring out how not to get assassinated. Yeah. <laughs> so I developed an algorithm on how not to get assassinated. And what that was, was I had to, I had to release all the information to the public to bring down the value. And then I had to get eyes on me. And if I could get the eyes on me, then that would basically, I mean, be like Jeffrey Epstein committing suicide all over again. They're like, Oh yeah. He just died after he like, disclose all this information how convenient for google yeah that was my strategy to to reduce the suicide or the forced suicide um chance so to let google know that um not to assassinate me i set out a dead man switch which is still available on my twitter profile perpetual maniac Um, and i said hey in the event of my untimely death all documents will become public. And so I tweeted that. Well, a few hours later, Google called in a wellness check. But unfortunately for them, they fell for my decoy address. So instead of sending the police to my address in San Francisco, they sent the police to Richmond. So the Richmond police show up, they're trying to get a hold of me. My friends are there at the house. They're like, Zach is not here. And they wouldn't believe him. They're really trying to get a hold of me. But I'm not there. So eventually the police leave. And my friend gives me a call and he's like, Yo, Zach, like these people really, 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 really want to get their hands on you. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh wow. Well, I hope they, you know, I hope that's the end of it. I hope they, you know, don't <laughs> don't try here. Thirty minutes later, they're knocking on my door. Okay. And where you where you actually are. Where I'm actually are right, so I've got like a gate, and then I've got like a door. It's kind of the San Francisco, like you know, on a busy street sort of thing. So we've got like a metal gate that's a security gate. Well, they're they're on the outside, like ringing the doorbell on that gate. Um, and I'm like, yep, I'm on the second floor. I'm like, I'm not gonna answer this, so I lay low. Well, now all of a sudden I hear them like banging on my door, on the inside. I'm like, how do they get into through the gate? And, but they're not announcing themselves and I know my rights. I don't have to talk to the police. So I just don't talk to the police. And, um, but they kept on banging, man, they kept on banging. I'm like, Oh man, this is, this is crazy. Um, I, I, I sneak over to like a window and I can hear them talking to my neighbor, um, and telling them something like, you know, well, if you, if, you know, if you hear of anything, let us know. I was like, okay, it sounds like they're leaving. I'm just going to lay low. But I, I had noticed that there was this cop car across the street, you know, and I was noticing this because I was like hiding next to a window and I was putting up my phone, you know, like this, and then looking at the screen and I could mm-hmm. tell that there was a car, a cop car on the other side. What I didn't realize was that they had decided to escalate 
And the reason why they decided to escalate is because there was a tin can filled with denatured alcohol that was right by the entrance of the gate. Um, it's used for fire spinning. My roommate is a fire spinner um, and she does like a bunch of performances. So the cops looked at this and they said, is that a bomb? That could be a bomb. Maybe this is a bomb. Let's call the bomb squad. So nice. they call on the bomb squad. And because they call on the bomb squad, well, you know, they now have to shut down uh, a section of Valencia Street. Hmm. So they shut off 20th of Valencia all the way down to 22nd of Valencia. Okay, shut it down. The, the theater right next to me gets evacuated. Um, the SWAT team's called in. Um, and, and there's police officers with sniper rifles that set up to the other to the other roof now i don't see this all i see is that there's a cop car on the other side and uh, i'm like wow man they're really hanging out what's what's going on um and so what i do is i'm like you know what like i'm just gonna go into my room and i'm gonna start playing video games and then i'm just gonna wait this whole thing out <laughs> so i'm sitting there playing video games and i hear this like helicopter like coming really close to the house and it's like circling and it's like circling now for 10 minutes i'm like what the heck? I was like, no, no, no. It's it. They can't be going looking for me, right? I'm like, no, no, no. That would be a conspiracy theory to think that they're actually like coming for me, right? What video like, game were you playing? <laughs> I was playing Katana Zero, which is one of the best games I've ever played in my life. Cool, thanks. So, um, I'm. It, it was that, and then I switched to Broforce because I was getting nervous. So I needed something to like, you know, keep my mind focused. Broforce is another one of the best games I've ever played. In It'd my be, be funny if you're playing something where, you know, you were like a cop and kicking down doors and. Ironically in, 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 in Katana zero, you're killing cops. So <laughs> um, anyways, so uh, my, my friend who lived in Richmond, who the police first came to his house, he comes to my location because he's worried and concerned about my health. Well, he finds out that the whole roads are blocked off. So he gives me a call. He's like, yo, man, like the roads are blocked off. I'm like, no, you're joking. No, 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 no way. No way. And he's like, no, dude, I'm serious. And I could tell like when he's serious and I'm just like, are you kidding me? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to go talk to the police. So he goes and he talks to the police and yeah, sure enough, they're, they're, they're trying to get to me. They're trying to perform a wellness check. They're trying to ask me six questions. Okay. About whether I'm feeling suicidal. Right, that's why the helicopters are there. Okay, right. and and two blocks are closed down because that's for a wellness check. Yeah, what a clown world. So, <laughs> so now I'm I'm in communication with the police officer, um, who is trying to negotiate me out. I'm like, look, man, it's really simple. I don't want to come outside. Like, I don't have to talk to the police. Like, like I'm totally fine. Um, there, you know, I believe that. They're like, well, why would a wellness check be called on you? And I'm like, it's probably Google. And it's probably because I'm reta they're retaliating against me for disclosing their criminal activity to the DOJ. And um, I sent, and I was like, look, I've got proof. And I sent them a picture of, of, the, of, the, of the letter that I had written Google. Well, that wasn't good enough. Like he was like, no, we got to ask you these questions. It's just going to be these six questions. I was like, no, I'm not going to talk to you guys. I'm sorry. So I'm in there and 
then my buddy will he, he calls me back and he's like yo man they're they're really not going to leave they're going to stay here for as long as it takes they're going to set up shifts they're just going to keep on like doing this until you come out of the house can you can you explain to the audience why you were so adamant about not answering the questions um well, actually I, I told him i was like just ask me the questions over the phone mm-hmm. they were telling me that they couldn't ask me the questions over the phone they wanted to ask me the questions in person because the excuse that they gave is they had to see my face because mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe they're trained in face reading, so they need to like see my face. And so eventually I'm like, okay, look, if you want to ask me these questions and you can't leave until you ask me these questions, then um, I'll meet you downstairs at the gate. You can see my face. You can ask me these questions and then we'll resolve it. Okay. And he's like, okay. Somebody in the tech world should invent some sort of way that you can talk to people <laughs> like your phone and see their face at the same time. Like, like, like I, can, I can see your, pocket, your face. Right? I can see your face at the time <laughs> I'm talking with you. And you know, they could call it FaceTime. Yeah. FaceTime. You, you could be a millionaire. You could be a billionaire. <laughs> you call, you call uh, Bill Gates and tell him about that feature. Um, so we have an agreement now. I'm going to come out to my gate. They're going to see my face. I'm going to answer their questions. It's all going to be good. They're going to de-escalate. I go downstairs to my gate. I can't pass the gate. Why? Because there's a bomb robot with its arm sticking through my door, grabbing this denatured alcohol and like pulling it out. And there's another like little faster robot that's like a little tiny one, kind of looks like a Wally. It's like going by. And it's got this like little fast little twitchy like camera that's going like that and <laughs> and i'm like I, I call the police officer back i'm like i can't get out of my gate you've got your your, your bomb robots there and they're like well we've got to clear the area of explosives and so they couldn't leave until they they pulled this bottle out so they pulled this bottle out and i'm like okay great come to the door um and and it was actually kind of scary because they put a handcuff on the metal frame so that I couldn't close this gate, you know? And so I was like, well, you can come, but you know, you you guys have, have forced the door open, you know? Um, and so, but I'll, I'll still come. And he's like, actually, we have to have you come out and then meet us on the street. I was like, no, that's (laughs) against the rules. Like we made an agreement. Like, you were going to come to me and we were, you're were going to see my face. You're going to ask my questions. And now, and now it turns out that you're a liar. I don't want to, I don't want to talk to you guys anymore because you know, I was afraid that they were going to like haul me off into a loony bin. And then some crooked psychologist is like, Oh yeah, he's totally not. Uh, and then it was going to like come <laughs> back to me in a court case where they were going to slander me in the media or whatever it is that they were going to do. And it turns out that that's actually been a tactic. Like someone had a wellness check. I was a whistleblower. And then they got locked in the loony bin for two, two weeks. So my intuitions about that danger were completely accurate. So. We're all about the intuition here. <laughs> yeah. So against my better intuition, I agree to find after like, you know, a back and forth for the next 15 minutes to come out, meet these police officers on the street. But now I realize that, okay, there's such a commotion so many people have their cell phones out watching from the rooftops that if they're going to, if they're going to kill me, like there's going to be so much video, it's going to go everywhere. They're not going to be able to stop it. They're, the cover up is going to be too expensive. So I tell them, I go, look, I'm going to come out, but I'm going to have my cell phone. I'm going to be recording the whole thing. And my friend is going to be recording the whole thing. And everyone out here is going to be recording the whole thing. So 
you know, I trust that you guys are going to do the right thing and that you're just going to ask me these questions and, and, and so on and so forth. It's like, okay, yes. So yeah. And there's video of this. I come out of the house, business casual with my hands up. Um, and they've got guns pointed at me. They're giving me directions, turn around, like lift your shirt up, you know, cause they wanted to see whether I had a concealed weapon or something. Um, and, uh, and then they have me walk backwards with my hands behind my back. And then they, they grab my hands. They, they force their hands into my pocket, make sure that I don't have like any weapons on me. And then they, 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 they pull me over to like one of the cross streets and, um, and then I, I, I'm, and then this, this wellness check officer comes over and starts asking me a bunch of questions like, you know, are you suicidal? Um, do you have any fantasies of like hurting anyone or yourself, you know? And, um, and they answered all of them truthfully. Right. And then they're like, why do you think that Google would call this wellness check? And I was like, in my head, in my head, I was like, aha, I knew it was Google. Now I know for sure. Right. Cause the police officer just told me that Google was the one that called the wellness check. And I was like, the reason why they probably called the wellness check was probably because I sent 950 pages of their criminal documents over to the department of justice in Washington, DC. The guy's like, what? Cause this was a different officer. I already told one officer, but the new one, it was new news to him. So he's like, really? He's like, do you have any proof of this? And I was like, yep. And I took my phone. I gave it to him. And I said, see right there. So he looks at the phone and he's like, wow. So you're a whistleblower. I was like, yep. I'm a whistleblower. This is all retaliation. And then the whole mood changed, right? They, really? started, they started getting friendly with me. They realized that I wasn't a bad guy, that I was trying to do the right thing. And in fact, they felt sympathetic for me. And so we just started joking and they even let me in on a little secret. Um, so I was like, Hey, what's, what's the best cop show? What's the most realistic cop show <laughs> on television? And they're like, it's Reno 911. <laughs> I was like, really? And they're like, yeah. And like, they all agreed. Like it was, it was the FBI, the SWAT team and the police, the police department all agreed that Reno 911 was the only, was the only TV channel that was, or the TV show that was, uh, that was startlingly accurate about <laughs> the way that their whole thing works. So I thought that was really funny. Everything escalates. And then I'm like, wow, that was absolutely nuts. How, like, how long ago was this? Um, this was like end of July, beginning of, no, oh, wow. no, Recently. Okay. it was, it was, it was mid, it was mid August. Oh, wow. Yeah. A month? Not a month? even a month ago. Not huh? even a month ago. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, I, uh, I got on a plane and I went to Washington DC the next morning at 8am and I went to a safe house in Washington DC, um, because I thought that it was going to be way safer than San Francisco. And, uh, we started, uh, letting some media know Sarah Carter uh, got the scoop um, and she kind of pumped up the story for us. And then it went to, um, and then Pro when Project Veritas leaked, here's the interesting thing. When, so I, I, I came out again on Project Veritas, but this time I was like, I'm taking off the mask of anonymity. And now I'm releasing all 950 pages to the public. And, um, the day before we were, were, we were going to release this video, Donald Trump tweeted 
the previous Project Veritas tweet on his Twitter page with uh, the whistleblower, the previous whistleblower, or one of the other, so it's funny. I blew the whistle anonymously, then this guy, Greg Coppola came out and he blew the whistle and then, uh, and, and did it like showing his whole face, but not disclosing any documents. From, from then, Google as well? Yeah, and so Trump retweeted Craig Coppola's interview to try to like make everyone pay attention to um, Project Veritas. And so um, uh, we released, we released to the, to the public. It was a great, great thing that, uh, that, that came out and it was a huge news story. Unfortunately, it was the biggest news story of the year. So it didn't quite catch the virality that we didn't were didn't get the 4am talking point. Uh. <laughs> no, it was like, it was like something going on with Iran. Uh, there was a stock market crash that happened at the same day. Um, and then there was like two like mass casualty events that happened. Like one was against the police officers. So it was just like, and then we came out and, and people were like, Oh my God, my base is melting because of all the news. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, we weren't able to get quite as big of a news cycle as we had when I first come out anonymously, which was kind of sad. Um, and then um, the 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 information that I had released was so damaging that uh, that I believe that a lot of it got blacklisted. Like Fox is still barely like tangentially talking about it, but they've mostly pretended like it hasn't happened. Of course, the left leaning. Uh, the left-leaning uh, news sites like MSNBC and CNN, the New York Times, they're putting their ears, you know, their their fingers in the air, and they're like, "Nah, nah, 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 I can't hear you," and they're not they're they're not even recognizing that this that this story, you know, is is existing, and mm. um and so, but it doesn't matter because every single my belief is that every single intelligence agency around the world has downloaded these documents. The attorneys have downloaded these documents. Uh, academics have downloaded these documents. Robert Epstein, the psychologist who has been blowing the whistle on Google's election meddling, he downloaded all these documents. He's just like, man, this is a treasure trove. And now what you're seeing is that as a result of all this leaking, um, the, 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 the you know, city, state, and federal government are now enacting antitrust litigation against Google. Yeah, it's a huge. I think it's going to the Supreme Court on Monday, right? Or is something's happening in the Supreme Court on Monday? Yeah, there's, there's, there might be a Supreme Court play. Um, I, I do know that that you know, from the city to the federal government, they're all, they're all chasing this. Yeah, and there is, um, and then there's, there's, I mean, there's class action lawsuits that are that are being formed right now with uh, the content creators. And then also in Germany, there's like a workers union because they've got stronger unions over there. So they, they've got a union that's like, that's like banding together and creating a class action lawsuit. So everyone at this point is like really getting excited for this because I mean, Google's beyond censorship. Like it's, it's draconian. Mm -hmm. No, they, they've, they've, they've gone against their, mission statement of organizing the world's information, making it universally accessible. And, and they've sacrificed everything so they could support Hillary Clinton. Okay. The, one of the worst criminals ever to enter into our political system. Um, and the fact that, that they all, they threw all this away for, you know, to, to support Hillary and then to, um, to try to unseat the president of the United States by allowing their systems to be hacked 
Oh yeah, and then now now they're continuing to do it by canceling Tulsi Gabbard's ad account mysteriously mm-hmm. right after she, you know uh, she had a strong showing in the DNC debates. You know, it's it's just like it's it's reckless, and they yeah. don't show any signs of stopping. That's the that's the weird part. Here's the here's the one thing that comes to my mind, and I, I've actually actually Lisa might have brought it up earlier. One of us has. No, I think it was me. Anyway. These are private companies. They can do what they want to a certain to a certain extent. So, you know, if Twitter deletes somebody's, you know, account, you know, and you say mysteriously, I mean, it's that's my company. I can do whatever I want. You're 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 using my platform and and I guarantee you when you signed up for Twitter, you clicked the the checkbox that nobody reads. It says this is what we can do. And I I bet buried somewhere in their user agreement is we can remove your account anytime we want to. Yeah. Well, there's this section 230, the communications decency act, which says that Google can get um, immunity from lawsuits as long as they act like a platform. And what happens is um, they don't get defamation. So explain the difference between publisher and platform for the audience. So a publisher is like, um, so publishers like the New York Times and a platform would be like a messaging board. Oh, right? okay. So like, you know, Reddit was supposed to be a platform, yeah. even though they're, they're, they're applying editorial control. But in theory, all these social media giants are platforms, not publishers. They're not responsible for the content that they're pushing. Okay. Um, in exchange, they don't exercise editorial control, right? They, they, they let the, na- the algorithms naturally push, you know, engaging sure. content to the top. So um, they've been writing this platform definition for over a decade. Uh, I think that the that came in 1996 with the Communications Decency Act wow. it may have been amended later. I'm not sure, but they've been writing this for over a decade. But are but are you are you saying that because they are censoring it that or because they are controlling the the algorithm that that is editorial? And- because no, no, not because they're. Con- they're controlling the algorithm because they're controlling the algorithm in order to achieve a political goal. Now they're acting as a publisher, okay. which means that they technically no longer have legal immunity. Huh. So anyone that finds damaging information that's untrue can now legally go and sue Google and say, well, due to these documents that have been released, we know that they're no longer a platform. They're now a publisher. Therefore, they are now liable for all information that is found on their search engines wow. that are that is untrue. Okay. Now what, what has to happen for that to for them to be I mean who who does one judge. One judge one judge one judge can undo the whole the whole liability. Then once they do okay. once they rule on that, then the whole thing wow. is like a like a house like a house of cards. Wow. Now here's the thing. Why did they do this? Google has a fiduciary responsibility for its shareholders. When they went IPO, they published a collection of mission statements, which acted as a contract between them and the investor. Okay. Okay. They have abandoned their fiduciary responsibility to their stockholders. Okay. This is what, like they need to be sued by their stockholders for betraying that trust. Like th- they're probably going to come after me for an NDA violation, even though 
I was in the right and they're going to sue the pants off me. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily I've got some big players that are going to, they're going to support me in, in that lawsuit. But, um, but you know, they're going to, they're going to do this even though they're not in the right. Wow. Now they violated their contract with the stockholders and they've been able to profit from that by, you know, this trillion dollar market cap, you know, but they get to break the rules because they, you know, rules for thee, not for me. That's <laughs> the way that it works. And so, you know, this is, so no, they don't get to do whatever they want. They made a commitment to being a platform. Now they're violating that. What's going to be the remedy? That's the question. Because That's it. That's, I mean, that's an incredibly interesting point. And I mean, wow, I'm, that'll be interesting to see how that, that plays out. Do, Nicole, does it, is, is that what the, the Supreme Court thing is? or I don't know. I, just, I was reading an article, I think it was on Sarah Carter's uh, website, about uh, how some, there's going to be some sort of ruling in the Supreme Court on Monday. Or I don't know if it's just an, an, initi- an initiation or what it, what it is, but something's happening on Monday, I think. There was something that happened this last Monday where a bunch of states got together. 50 yeah. states and territories were like, oh, we're suing Google. So mm-hmm. last, last week it was 26. Now it's 50. So, really? Yeah. But, but um, it's not all the states. So it's states and Yeah, because you're saying it's territory. So there's a couple that aren't. And I would assume their home state is not. Where are they domiciled? California? They, they are in California. And mm-hmm. what's really interesting, if I can find it here, which I believe it's right here. Um, uh, there was a, I don't have a bit. Robert Epstein made a tweet saying that, um, that one of the two states that was not enjoined in this lawsuit was California. And then he pointed out that um, the state attorney general was on the payroll of Google. I saw that on your Twitter feed. Yeah. So, um, yeah, quite, quite the coincidence that California, which they're in, isn't, isn't enjoining in this. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's the way that politics, money, and corruption work, right? You know, you talked – or um, we talked about – right at the beginning, I talked about how the importance of having individual sovereignty and how your mind should be sovereign. Uh, but we also talk about national sovereignty. And you, you witnessed election interference in other countries, did you not, through Google? Yeah. So. Um, in the YouTube query blacklist that I've disclosed through Project Veritas, um, there is a keyword that was, or a phrase that was banned in, you know, globally. And that was the Eighth Amendment of the Constitution of Ireland. Okay. okay. Does anyone know what the Eighth Amendment of Ireland is? Mm-mm. The right to life of the unborn. Really? Uh... So they're so desperate to meddle in elections that they're going, they're willing to ban people searching for their own constitutional amendment. Okay. Then I learned that um, Brazil had a Supreme court case where they found that Google was guilty of colluding with the current president's opponent in order to push negative news against Bolsonaro. Is that his name? They 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 pushed they were paid to push negative content about Bolsonaro all the way to the top, and to delete incriminating evidence against his opponent. And so that was really so. I was like, wow, okay, so we've got America, we've got Ireland, we've got you know Brazil. Well, what else do we got? 
Well, it turns out that, you know, Egypt had that revolution, yeah. you know, and then there was a military, the military clamped down. And uh, so it was, a, it was a revolution. And then the Muslim, uh, the Muslim brotherhood slipped in and, and seized control. And then the military had to like kick him out and arrest the, arrest the president and restore their own military dictator. It just so happens that the person that started that revolution worked for Google at the time and that he was a former CIA agent. <laughs> okay, so now we've got America, we've got Ireland, we've got Brazil, we've got Egypt. Clowns well, everywhere. Clowns everywhere. They're, they've got their fingers in all these like different countries, um, which is the reason why like, you know, something like this needed to happen. There needed to be someone to pull all these narratives together and form a coherent picture of criminal activity, a criminal enterprise. So, um, okay, just to transition really quickly, because this is a this is a topic that's actually really near and dear to my heart. Like I'm very passionate about it, and I've talked about it on the podcast, and I talk about it a lot on my YouTube channel. Um, is this idea of of manipulating the way we think about men and women, and uh, you know this idea of what we're seeing is an inversion of men being programmed to be more feminine and women being more programmed to be masculine and also um, suppressing the masculine in uh, how they're able to basically live in this world, what their rights are and all that. Can you talk about what you witness Google doing and what you can see, like anyone can go and search it, but can you yeah, talk about I mean, that? I mean, so if you go to Google search, they have this feature called search prediction, where as you type, it brings up predictions of what you might be really trying to type. Google has said that all of these search predictions come from the data, that they're generated from the aggregate, and then they're basing their predictions just on the data. Okay. Now, you know, politically, we've been noticing some really interesting omissions, like the Clinton body count doesn't ever autocomplete, but the Trump body count did. That's changed down the last few days. Yeah. But- <laughs> What's really I, I, creepy? I tested that. I heard you. I heard you say that on something else, and I tested it, and it was it was working. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. Yeah, I announced that it was working. And but, it, but then you get working. into. I think then you're going to get into. Yeah, let me get into that. Results. Yeah. yeah. So, what's really creepy though, is the fact that if you type in "men can," it's going to autocomplete and say men can have babies, men can have periods, men can have babies now, and it's like. Where, where is this coming from? Like, how is this being generated? And so I investigated um, the search results that are available at trends.google.com and was able to see the real traffic. And the traffic was saying that, you know, men can drive was a, was, was a higher search phrase, but men can drive doesn't show up in the results. And the question is, why is that? And the answer, I believe, is because machine learning fairness has been pushed to every single um, uh, major product and they're trying to rewrite objective reality because they think that objective reality is unfair. And those aren't my words, that's their words, right? There is a document that defines algorithmic unfairness. And what they say is that, you know, for example, let's say someone's searching for CEO and if most of the results come back male 
although that's represented by objective reality, it can still be considered algorithmically unfair. Sexist. Would, yeah. And that would justify intervention via product intervention. So mm. they're coming out and they're saying objective reality is unfair. We have to change it. So that's, you know, I, I don't have access to the data lakes that power the Google search predictions. But if you just connect these two dots that are really close together, you can see that they're trying to push their creepy social agenda by any means possible. Let, let, let me ask you this, because to me, there are two things at play here. Um, let's just use the Hillary body count one, because I know it's polarizing and Nicole will like that. Um, I know how to spell the words body and count. So I don't need the internet, the Google to autocomplete for me. So that's one issue. The, but the bigger issue is if I go ahead, cause it's not like I can't, like my keyboard stops working. Cause that would be even more nefarious. I just can't even type the words body or count after the word Hillary. So let's say I'm somehow <laughs> able to, I'm somehow able to type the whole phrase Hillary body count and I don't get assassinated before I hit return. <laughs> the results, are they censored or I mean, because I, I understand what you're saying by forcing it up to the top or from keeping it from auto-completing. But again, if something keeps me from auto-completing, I don't care because I'm intelligent and I can spell. But once I hit return and I've typed out my whole phrase, is Google going to, am I also getting limited? Or yes. once I type out the whole phrase, do I have access to the data that I want? Yeah, so, so you know, this goes back to the 4 a.m. sort of talking points and how yeah. the media uses their articles to program um, the news. So what's happening is that if someone types in Clinton body count, they're going to come to websites that are talking about the Clinton body count. And so what the deep state is doing is that they're injecting noise into the system. And so what they do is they write a whole bunch of um, articles that talk about how, um, how, how preposterous this is that people around Clinton have died. And then um, they seed that into the results. And then what Google has been doing is that they have decided that certain news organizations have a high authoritativeness score. And so those websites are being pushed to the top. And so the websites that talk about the Clinton body count, you know, in, in, in the real way, they're not considered authoritative. So they get pushed lower. So, so if I go to... Google, Bing, Yahoo, DuckDuckGo, and I do the same result, I'm going to get four, or the same search, I'm going to get four different results. Like um, some, yeah. are, some are going to give me, I mean, there's not one. Try it right now. Try it right now. Show, do, go to Bing.com. Are you buy a computer? Yeah, I am. I have to be. We're on the internet, dude. <laughs> go, yeah, go to Bing. 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 <laughs> I can't even open it won't even let me go to Bing because I'm talking to you. Oh man. So Bing Bing doesn't autocomplete for it. Oh no, I had to put in WWW. That's so 2010, Microsoft. Okay. Clinton. Nothing. No autocomplete at all on that. Okay. So the if you top, go duck, duck, the go. top result is what really happened.com and etherzone.com. If I try it on Google, 
And I already did it, so it's letting me complete it. The top results are something Vox.com. Rational Wiki. Yeah, NBC News, Newsweek, PolitiFact. Yeah, told two completely different kinds of results. Right. So they're trying to push Wikipedia, Vox, Rational, Rational Wiki, which is a left-wing um, narrative control site. Uh, NBC News. It's just it's just constantly like all of the you know, Politifact, Newsweek. They're they're and all these all these narratives are all colluding to say no 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 the the Clinton body count is is not real. Everyone that believes it is just a bunch of nutcases. But um, when you actually look at the Clinton body count and then you look at each individual storage, you're like oh this is actually checking out. This is actually something that's going on. Hmm. So um, yeah, that's the effect right there. So how do we get I, Google is Kleenex, right? I mean, if you want to search something, even if I don't use Google, you know, like when I lived in China, I could not use Google. So I would use Yahoo or Baidu. I would still say, I would just Google it. You know, it's, it's synonymous with looking up information because that's how they started. Just Google it. So, I mean, how do you un-Kleenex Google? I mean, how, or how do you turn it into Kleenex or what? No, I mean, I, when I say Kleenex, when I say Kleenex, it's, it's tissue, you know? It's a generic it, term. It's, so you're talking about generifying. Kleenex is a brand that is, everyone says, oh, here's some Kleenex, but it may be somebody else's brand or a generic brand. Google is the generic search engine that everyone says, even if you don't use Google, you just say, you know, the phrase, look it up on the internet is shortened to Google it. Yeah, exactly. So you're you're asking about how do we pull Google into its trademark into the public sphere and make it so that they don't own it anymore? I don't know. Like Google's really expensive company. Like you know Disney, all these other companies. They they try to prevent generic. I think it's called genericization of their um, of their of their trademark. So good luck with that. There's a big fight ahead of it. But the thing is, is that. Um, there's actually a couple things that I think are going to happen. One is that I think that people are going to stop. They're, they're going to start to diversify and they're going to start using other search engines to, you know, get a different picture of it because now that everyone knows how biased Google is, you know, why, why, why use it? Also Google search sucks. Now they're, they're not even the best one out there. Like hmm. if you're using it, you're getting, a, an unoptimized experience on the internet, you know, in comparison to the other search engines. I would assume so, most people, and I'm, I'm there. I use Google search engine just out of habit because I'm dating myself back to, you know, the early days of the internet. That's what you went to. Yeah. But if you're not going to find the information, you're going to, you now huh. know that you're going to go to, yeah, I have to change. Yeah. And I absolutely will. So thanks for that tip. Yeah. Another thing is that, um, the Gmail system that they have also sucks. They're selling, they're selling your, your, your address. People are spamming you. The email client is just totally screwed up. It doesn't work well anymore. Um, they've, they've attempted to rewrite it with inbox, but um, they, they reverted that. Um, and at this point it's, it's a legacy app that they've ruined. Um, and now I use something called proton mail and it's a superior experience. Like the app works really fast. It's snappy. Um, it doesn't have all the problems and, and it provides end to end encryption, which Gmail does not. So, you know, there's this, this, this Google detox process that people are now engaging in and we can just, 
like leave the Google ecosystem and start mm -hmm. using alternatives. Now, some of the alternatives like the BitChute alternative to YouTube is not quite there yet, but it's getting better, right? It, what BitChute looks like now is what YouTube looked like in its early days. Mm -hmm. And it's gonna continue to get better. Minds.com is another one. You know, there's there's these there's these these new social networks that are coming. Gab uh, is really like, good. Gab is really good. Vote instead of Reddit. Um, and so what you see is you see all these alternatives popping up all over the place. And if you don't want to be censored, then you don't have to be. You can go to these other platforms. Mm -hmm. And that's that's like the like the number one thing we can do because no matter what happens with the antitrust. If people don't use their systems, right. then they're not being censored, and right. we all know that now. And so, no, yeah. I will, I will, uh, I'll switch. I'll, I'll stop using Google. I, I, there's no sense, and if I'm not getting the results I want, I don't want anyone filtering it. So, yeah. Um, before we before we go, Zach, I wanted to ask you um, because one of the things that happens on our show, we talk a lot about like a lot of different spiritual things here, and you know, kind of coming out with what's whatever if you're you're increasing your intuition and you're you, you whatever's happening maybe you're getting vision do, do i need to burn incense for this like, you you could if you want <laughs> but i'm curious because one of the things that prevents a lot of people from talking about it with their family members or their friends is because people think you're crazy how was your experience at Google when you started understanding all of this stuff? Like were you able to talk to your employees about what you were discovering? Like what was that like? I tried a few times and immediately like full on rejection. Yeah. You know, you know what it's like, Nicole? Like you wake up and you're like, oh my God, I found out all this stuff. Guys, what do you think? And then you you find out that you hit you trigger these like mental blocks that people have in their brain and their mind. And Programs. they're like it's, it's programs. It's literally programs that have been installed like, oh, no, 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 that's not true because every single thing you find out is true. It turns out there's there's like a bunch of trash articles that have been written, you know, demonizing the person and applying double standards to, to, to them. And, and you see this over and over again. And then what you quickly realize is that, oh, not only are they, do they have us deceived, but they've, they, they have countermeasures so people can't wake up. And, um, and the amount of control that's been exercised over the media is so incredible that um, people's heads explode. Like I, it took me three years to wake up fully. I, th I think most of it was done in the first year, but um, uh, once I woke up to the whole state of the world, it was, I lost a lot of friends. I lost like half my friends. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, a lot of my family members I mean, my, my brother's about to pump his kid when he's born full of vaccines. You know, his wife is dead set on putting every single vaccine to the kid and not letting anyone who hasn't been vaccinated for the flu to like not interact with the kid. I'm trying to wake him up saying, well, no, no, the science is, is not supporting that vaccines are safe. Like, you know, you, our family has the MTHFR C667T gene that causes us to not detoxify aluminum like don't like at least slow down the vaccination like i got totally rammed for expressing science and you know credible opinions by doctors and nurses and how do you reach these people mm -hmm. like you know part of me just wants to cut off the sleepers and you know 
I've got like an island now of people that are woke and, um, and we're great. Like we're, it's a very loving community. You know, we, we understand what's going on with society. You know, we're trying to be the guiding light to a lot of other people, but like the, the amount of cognitive dissonance that exists in society is just, is just, I, I never, I, I never thought that it would exist to the extent that it, it does. I thought that people were a little funny, you know, what they believed, you know, kind, they're kind of like a little bit sheepish, but I didn't realize how far the rabbit hole actually went. Hmm. Yeah, it goes, it goes really deep. <laughs> and it's interesting because, you know, Lisa and I, we've been really kind of aware of a lot of this stuff since our teenage years. And of course it, it opens up more and more as you go through this, but I would express this stuff when I was in my late teens, early twenties to my family. And I started off with more of the healthcare stuff, like what you were just talking about. And I would just get laughed out of the house. They just did, they're like, Nicole, doctors would never do that. Or the government would never do that. And I was just always the conspiracy theorist of the the house. And um, it it's hard when, I mean, this was 20 years ago. And so now I feel like, oh, there's a lot more people that are waking up to it. But I've realized how much people have based the truth of who they are into this narrative that they've been fed, spoon fed. Uh, it's not even like people- In all directions. And all, yeah. It comes from everywhere. Everywhere, music, movies, news, magazines, everywhere. And just realizing how much that if they were to even believe part of that, I think they wouldn't even know who they are. And that's what's causing people to have this cognitive dissonance and shut down. I'm like, no, you can't tell me that because if you're telling me that, then that means I've allowed someone to lie to me my entire life. And what does that say about me as a person? Yeah. It's a, it's a tragedy. Yeah. So, well, thanks so much, Zach, for coming on. And thanks so much for being so forthcoming with everything you're doing. You're doing huge, huge work. We all, we all try to make a difference in this world in our own way. And you've just made a huge splash in, uh, in the ocean, as far as I'm concerned. And, and thank you for being a part of Google Earth. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a landscape architect and I've used Google Earth pro for a long, long time back like day one. So I still use it almost every day. So wow, Glad I can't like stop using Google earth, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there's, um, it's ArcGIS maybe that's the, uh, yeah. Thing. Yeah. So Zach, tell our audience what you need from them. So to keep um, you alive, to keep me alive, I yeah. need more eyes on me. And so what I'm asking, I'm not asking for donations, I'm not asking for anything except for the audience to find me on Twitter. My handle is Perpetual Maniac. You can also find me under Zach Voorhees um, and add me as a friend and follow and like the things that I'm doing because my, my Twitter stream has been converted into a news information um, uh, distribution for the media. And the media is following me. And when I retweet something that's breaking news, it ends up on Zero Hedge. Hmm. But the thing is, is that um, I need engagement. So I need users to come. I need them to like my stories. I need them to click on the pictures because all those get registered as clicks and they get registered as engagement. The story goes viral. And what happens is that when people look at my, at my feed, they see, the, um, they see the things that are trending 
and then those turn into stories. And then when they write a story on it, I send people to to relike their story uh, by retweeting the story on my feed. And so, you know, people want to do something against Google. If they want to do something against Google, follow me, like the things that I like, retweet the things that I retweet if they want, but the likes are more important. And if they can do that, then they're going to be able to um, assert their sovereignty from the comfort of their own home, you know, optionally in a bathrobe. And stop using Google like I'm going to. Yeah, stop using Google. They're nasty. They're- and so- somebody send in a Kevlar vest and we'll make sure we get it to Zach. Well, thanks so much, Zach. And we're going to leave all of the links for everything that Zach just talked about down in the show notes, as well as other videos where you can watch him and other interviews that he's done to uh, give you more insight into everything that's going on. Thank you so much, Zach, for being on the show. And thank you to our audience for joining us once again this week. We'll be back with you soon. Thank you all for joining our show. We appreciate you tuning in and supporting us. If any of you have any questions you would like answered on the show or any guests that you would like to hear on our show, please email that information to us at info at enlightenup.us or send us a voice message using the Anchor app. There's a super cool feature on there that allows you to send us a message or ask us a question with a touch of a button right from the app. And please continue to support us by following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And if you haven't checked out Nicole's channel on YouTube yet, head on over there for some more insight from her, or you can visit her website, inflexibleme.com, where you can book a personal coaching session or a tarot reading, watch some of her most informative videos, or you can sign up for her newsletter. And if you're interested in some light language healing, head to my YouTube channel, Lisa Loves Love, or send me an email to lisa at lisaloveslove.com to inquire about your own personal reading. Thank you again for joining us and supporting us, and we'll be back with you all next week.